You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. Well, we are week two in our three-week series on the book of Jonah. And most of us grew up with the story in some way, shape, or form. But I know that some of you, this is the first time going through it, and honestly... Logan and I talked about this, like that makes us giddy. So we're excited to, to journey with you through the story for the first time. And uh, just thinking in terms of the fact that we do know the story so well. Um, last week I talked about the lullaby effect, where we know a story so well that we miss the hidden gems within the story. Rabbi David Foreman says this, The lullaby effect retards our ability to ask, even to see the real important questions the Bible begs us to ask of it. The Bible begs us to ask of it. Have you thought about that, that that there are strange things in the Bible and we're supposed to go, really? Like, what is that there for? Yeah, So, uh, so when you read Jonah together, as we read this together, I want to ask, I'm going to invite you to ask really good questions. I invite you to look for the problems. And if you missed our opening session last week, uh, we do have that on podcast. So you could go to our website or you could search, search Mission Ridge Church uh, through your favorite podcasting app and you can find us and you can catch up on that conversation. So. Last week, we saw these problems in Jonah 1. A prophet flees from the presence of the Lord. Never seen that before. In Jonah's mind, God can be found in Nineveh, where there's evil going on, but but God cannot be found in Tarshish, which in the ancient world was considered paradise. Third problem, Jonah is sound asleep during the storm. It's just kind of weird. Fourth problem, God used a pagan to call a prophet back to his calling. He uses the same phrase that that God used to call Jonah in the first place. Next, Jonah didn't answer the question about his occupation. I don't think I would either. I thought it was strange that they asked him the question about his occupation when the ships felt ready to go down. Like, I don't plan on asking you, what do you do in life? <laughs> if our ship's going down, I'm looking for a life vest. But that's... And then uh, the pagans care about the prophet's life, but seemingly the prophet doesn't care about the pagan's life. Like, that seems off. And the pagans offered a sacrifice to the Lord, not the prophet. So these are some of the problems that we saw And as we go through the series, we may highlight some problems. We're not going to resolve all of them. Uh, Something to wrestle through as you study the scripture, as you engage the story. You may come up with answers that I wouldn't have come up with. Uh, Maybe something that happens in care group where you talk about your own wrestling with this. And then there is a lot of repetition now. Throughout the book of Jonah, there's this repetition of three. And in every chapter so far that I've looked at, there's multiple repetitions 
of three. You're not going to see that probably in any other book in the Bible. There are some other repetitions that highlight issues, highlight, you know, it's kind of like a neon sign, like, look over here uh, from the author to us. But in, the, in this case, in the book of Jonah, there's these repetition of three. So three times Jonah is told to arise. It's the same Hebrew word used three times. And in Jonah, three times chooses instead to go down. He doesn't arise. He chooses to go down. He goes the other way. Three times Tarshish is mentioned. Three times it's said that Jonah is fleeing the face, the panim, the face of the Lord. In English, it reads presence, but it's more intimate than that. It's his face. It's his face-to-face conversation. Like presence could be like in the same room and who knows how close you get. But if you're in the face of the Lord, like you are right there and that's the kind of relationship that God desires with us. And yet the prophet was fleeing his face. And then there's three days and three nights in the fish. Now I wonder what kind of problems we're going to encounter in chapters 2 and 3 today as we go further. And then next week, Logan gets the, uh, the golden chapter, chapter 4. Uh, there is so much meat in chapter 4. Please don't miss next week. It's going to be fantastic. I almost, I almost wanted to tell the story in reverse order so I could have chapter 4. But I, I deferred to my good friend. I want to start by providing some more context to this story, though. And it's found back in the second Kings passage that we looked at last week. So let's look at that. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria, and he reigned 41 years. So this is Jeroboam the second, and he reigns for 41 years. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, which is Jeroboam the first, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. So constant theme in the book of Kings is, is when the kings sin, they cause the people to sin. And when the kings are faithful to God, the people go where the king goes. So, the, so if the king's going to be unfaithful towards God, the people will be unfaithful towards God. And if the king is faithful towards God, the people go with him. And then it says, He restored the border of Israel from Lebohemoth as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord. So this was God's design that Jeroboam II was prosperous, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, who's from Gath-Hefer. So Jeroboam II, he reigns 41 years, and he does evil in the sight of the Lord, and the people follow his lead. The problem is, is that God blesses Jeroboam through Jonah. That 
would have to be a painful pill to swallow if you're Noah. Jonah. I've even named files Noah this week. <laughs> if you're Jonah and you're the prophet to the land, to the northern ten tribes of Israel, and you're preaching repentance to your people, to your community for 41 years, and no one listens, they go the other way, and by the way, God blesses the king anyway, Jonah's got to be asking, why did you make me a prophet? He's got to be wrestling with, am I called to this? Like, is this, am I being faithful? Am I, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, as a preacher, that's a hard pill to swallow. And it's in the midst of that that Jonah gets told to go to Nineveh. He's been preaching to his people who won't repent. But go to your enemy. Go to the people that are going to exile you within your lifetime and preach to them to repent. Whew. I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. I kind of understand Jonah in the story. So last week we ended with Jonah in the whale. Let's pick up there and fish. Uh, Hebrew is such a simple language. They didn't really have a term for fish and, and whale. So when people use the term whale, it's, it's not wrong. Uh, it could have been a whale. Don't know. Although, although a whale is not a fish, they're mammals. So, um, but they didn't know that at the time. They weren't checking. They didn't even like the sea. So big fish, big swimmy thing. Stay away. So it says in Jonah 1.17, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now we're starting here because in the Hebrew Bible, if, you're, if you have a Jewish Bible, this is actually chapter 2, verse 1 in their version of the Bible. It's not right, it's not wrong, it's just different, but this is where the story for us starts this week. And it's interesting that the word appointed is being used there because it can also mean provided. God provided Jonah with a fish. Jonah didn't want a fish. <laughs> Did he? Wasn't looking for a fish. He was looking to uh, check out. And like the rest of chapter 2, we're going to see that, that there's some unnecessary repetition here. So we should pay attention to that. Already we're told that there's, uh, the, we're already told about the fish twice. So let's continue in John, Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Now this is the third mention of the fish, right? But it's the first time that it's a female fish. 
The first two times in Hebrew, the word is dag, D-A-G. In this verse, the fish is a daga. It's a female fish. Interesting. So he prays from the he prays to the Lord, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol I cried. That term is usually rendered womb. So out of the womb of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For he cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the flood sur- surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head as the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and this is the male fish again, and it vomited Jonah out on to dry land. Wow. Pretty wild story. God is the fish whisperer. So Jonah, two problems. Let's take a look at some of these. You may have found some others. These are just ones I identified. There's two fish in the story. What in the world is that about? You know, the rabbis have wrestled over this for a couple thousand years, maybe a few thousand years. And uh, and Jewish commentary says that even after three days, Jonah wasn't ready to get on board with God. And so the Lord had the male fish erp Jonah into a female fish. And it's said that the male fish had this large room, spacious, like a synagogue. And when Jonah wouldn't get on board with what the Lord was doing, Jonah was placed into a pregnant fish where there was no room. And that's when Jonah said his prayer. Interesting thought. Uh, There's even, uh, Jacob has a book for, it's a children's book on on Jonah and the two fish. Did I get the title right? All right, I got one title right out of this whole series. Next, Jonah says he cried from the womb of Sheol. And I wonder if these two thoughts are connected, that Jonah's in a pregnant fish, and he cried from the womb of Sheol. 
I wonder if they're connected. We'll talk more about this in footnotes. I also wonder if this is connected all to Jesus and his conversation with Nicodemus when he says you must be born again. Like if this is part of the Jewish... Yeah, I've got some furrow brows out there over that one. Listen to footnotes. We'll talk about it. I'm not claiming my life on this one. But Jesus is having a much bigger conversation with Nicodemus than our John 3.16 posters give credit for. So uh, we'll go with that. Uh, Next, Jonah says that God threw him into the sea. I don't remember God doing that. Do you? It was Jonah's idea, and the people on the ship did it. How does God get the blame? Interesting question. By the way, does God get the blame from us for a lot of things that we do? Eh. Kind of identify with Jonah there. This is a strange prayer. Hashtag, if you pray this prayer tonight, we're all going to look at you funny. When you're over for dinner, I ask you to pray, and this is your prayer. We're going to drug test you. (laughs) This is a strange prayer. If you look in your Bibles, if you have notes within your Bible, it'll probably list a bunch of different Psalms and passages from Isaiah and some other writings of the time. He's quoting Psalm after Psalm after Psalm. He's quoting worship song after worship song after worship song. But it's kind of a jumbled mess. It's it's a little, like what he puts together is a little strange. And honestly, I think he's delusional at this point. If you guys have seen Castaway, I picture a volleyball sitting next to him with a red handprint on it. Wilson! Like, this is where Jonah's at at this point in the story. I'm convinced. This prayer is not the... Like, I believe in opening up the scriptures and grabbing prayers of, the, of those who went before us. This is not one I recommend you grab. It's a strange prayer. And then, did Jonah repent? What's interesting is that as part of the uh, liturgy of the Jewish people, even today, Jonah is read for Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. So every year when they, when they come to repent for the Lord, the story that they turn back to to figure out what repentance looks like is here, the book of Jonah. But is this prayer the epitome of repentance? I don't know. Like so far, I'm not seeing it. Maybe we'll see something else as the, continue, as the story continues. So let's press on to Jonah 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. 
Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's his message. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. Now that word robe can also mean glory. So the picture is, this is not the normal robe. This is the robe that you wear that lets everybody know that you are king. And he takes that off. He takes that off and puts on sackcloth. Maybe we know of someone else who was king and lowered himself. We might talk about that in footnotes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let men and beasts be covered with sackcloth. And let them call out to the... To mighty, let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way. That word evil is harah. And from the violence of his hand. Who knows? God may turn to relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their harah, their evil way, God relented of the disaster, hara, in Hebrew, that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So again, some problems. Not, maybe not all the problems. Maybe you don't think these are problems, but some things I've seen. Number one, Jonah's message. Potentially the worst prophetic message ever. Like if this is his message and he goes before other prophets and he's like shown his resume and was like, well, this is my message to Nineveh. And they read these eight words. <laughs> like, Jonah, this is a horrible message. Worst message prophetically of all time. Like you look at the other prophets, this, this message doesn't mat- match up. Like the prophets are verbose, they're flowery, they're, they got these wild pictures. They tell you how bad you are, they tell you all, what you all the wrong things you did, and then they tell you how to set your life straight. He does none of that. Worst message ever. Except for maybe this one, who knows. But Nineveh, Believed God. And that's the same word, same language as when Abram believed God and it was reckoned to Abram as righteousness. 
Isn't that interesting? The pagan king repents on the first day. Not 41 years. Day one. Not 41 years. Not 41 years. First day. That has to be a problem, doesn't it? Why is this in the Jewish Bible? Isn't this something that you'd want to forget? Like our enemies are better at following God than we are? Or maybe we should learn from our enemies when they do things better than we do. Hmm. The pagans declare a fast for everyone and the animals. <laughs> oh, man. Our dog goes crazy if he doesn't eat within the first 15 minutes of us walking through the door. Can you imagine the cry of all the livestock, of all the pets, of all the infants, of all the people? Like Nineveh has never sounded the same before or since that day. They cried out. The rabbis in reading this will tell you that there was such a cry that, that the animals cried out so much that God had no choice but to hear them. It's craziness. And they all wore sackcloth. All of them. And, you know, I think in terms of this, like when we sing our, our Christian songs, like, like Jonah is singing, he's, he's, he's quoting songs off the radio, right? The worship songs, they, he listens to Moody Radio as he's going down the street. He listens to Air One as he's going down the street and he's quoting these can we quote these songs, but do they move us to do anything? Do they move us? I'm all, I always feel a little awkward when we sing those songs about us all falling down on our knees and we're all standing there or, 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 or sitting there. Like, we're singing, we're falling on our knees, but we're st- sitting there. Like, this is weird. Why do we sing these words and not do what they say? And why don't I lead in that? Man, maybe I need to look at some pagans and see how they're doing things. We see the pagans repent in a way that is unmatched in Scripture. Nowhere else are you going to see God's people repent like this. From top to bottom. And then there's the threes. Again, this number threes, again and again and again throughout this story. There's evil, hara, is mentioned three times. In fact, the third time, it's God's hara that doesn't take place. Ooh, God can do evil? Sackcloth, three times. Three days' journey. 
And we'll need to talk about how it only took one day, and we'll talk about that in footnotes, but that's significant too. But the threes, the author wants us to take notice of the pagans' repentance. And this is why the Jewish nation reads this story, not because of Jonah, but because of Nineveh. And they are learning. They did choose to learn. And so each year when it comes time to repent of the last year's sins, when, it takes, when they take the time, and, and I'm, I'm in awe of what our Jewish friends do to, to repent, how much energy they put into saying, God, I can't believe I did that and that and that and the other thing this last year. Like they really take time because, because the story has taught them. I'm hoping I learned some things from the story. The author wants us to take notice of the pagans' repentance. Seems extreme, doesn't it? I mean, they order their entire life to God. Many times in scriptures, you have two stories or two acts within the same story that are put side by side. We have Jonah's prayer. We have the repentance of Nineveh. They're put side by side so we could go, oh, oh, this prayer had all the right language. It had all the right words. I could quote chapter and verse. I'm listening to the right radio station. This prayer is theologically sound, but doesn't match to the actions of these people that are just coming into a relationship with God. I want to look at uh, Jonah's prayer again. I highlight all the eyes and the mys and the me's, my distress, my voice cast me into the deep, billows passed over me, I'm driven away, waters closed over me, take my life surrounded me, mine, 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 mine. Does this remind you of the seagulls from Finding Nemo? Mine, mine, mine. How many times has my prayers? I had to repent last night in a family situation. And I thought about this. I thought about would my repentance look like this prayer? Or would it look like the actions of Nineveh? Because we've all, you know, especially those, those of us who are parents, but I think we've all seen this. You know, you got Johnny and Jane, they're playing, and Johnny hurts Jane. And so you go to Johnny and you go, Johnny, you need to apologize to your sister. 
And does Johnny's repentance look like anything that you as a parent want to see? Sorry. Sorry. When Johnny is more concerned about getting back to what Johnny was doing, Johnny's more concerned about playing his game. And you're like, Johnny, that's, that's, not, that's not really a, the right heart for this, son. I said the words. How many times in our relationships when we're repenting are we sorry that we're being confronted but don't really want to change our actions? How many times when God comes to us, when he highlights something to us, when we're reading the scriptures, are we sorry that we've been caught, but we don't want to order our life after him? In the next hours, in the next days, we'll look very little differently. That's what this story is asking us to wrestle with. What happens when you approach God with the right language, but the wrong heart? Is he impressed? But what happens when you don't even know the language? Like you're not even sure how to have this conversation with God, but your actions... Your actions say something to God about how you want him in your life. That is what pleases God. God can do so much with that heart. A heart that says, I don't even know what to say to you. I can't quote chapter and verse. I haven't been listening to the quote-unquote right radio station but I need you in my life. I want to do this your way. And I don't know how to make that happen, but here we go. That, my friends, God can do something with. And I pray that we would be that kind of people. For now, God has relented from doing ha to Nineveh. We will continue the story next week. But the implication is this. Where are you just going through the motions with God? And as you think about that, we're going to approach our time of communion. And for those of you that are with us um, for the first time, just know that we have an open table, which means if you're here to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we invite you to join us. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to come up and grab the elements and then return to your seat and hold them together. We'll take them all as one body. But think about this implication. Can you bring us back to that? Where are you just going through the motions for God? Consider that and come grab the elements. God pointed a fish. He did more than that for you and I. He sent his son. 
willing to bear the penalty for our sin on the cross. He's willing to be scapegoated for everything that we've done wrong so that when we repent, we can stand free before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That is such good news. And like Jonah was told to arise again from the Lord, we are told again to arise. Like, like take notice. Take notice of your week. Repent of it. But then arise. And move on. The story isn't done between God and Jonah. We have another chapter to go. The story isn't done between you and Jesus Christ. We have another chapter to go. Let's make the next chapter so much better than the last one as we choose to just follow him, order our lives with him at the head. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is new covenant, my blood. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. Let's remember our Lord and Savior. Thank you that uh, when we approach the throne of grace, you meet us there with open arms. Thank you for the salvation that is free. It can't be earned. Thank you, Lord, when you see our hearts, even when we don't get the words right, your spirit intercedes for us. We're grateful for this simple relationship. It's been made possible through the Christ, through Christ on the cross. We love you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.